Welcome to the Daily Objective. It is day 17 of the war in Israel. I am joined by Gilad Herzfeld, who you've seen uh, twice so far on the reality show, and he's joining me. And this is what happens when you don't mute your YouTube. But uh, we are, yeah, we are um, going to be talking about a, a topic that is, um, well, let's get to the news. And then we'll get to the topic. I, the news is kind of a, is a part of the topic, but uh, there are some updates. So the fire, the rockets are still coming in from the north. You know, it's it's, it's a drip. It's not a, um, uh, you know, not not what Hezbollah can do as of yet. But um, we'll see that when they decide it's time for us to see that. That's that's how it goes, and it's also part of our topic today. Uh, which is Israel's response in the north. Um, there are some reports that 50 hostages might be freed by Hamas as part of a deal uh, that the Qatari government and the Americans are uh, working on. Uh, these will be uh, people with dual citizenship. Uh, you know, as somebody who grew up in Israel and uh, was very happy when he got dual citizenship, um, you know, this is... Uh, uh, yeah, people, uh, you know... People, people have an advantage there that uh, in, in the case of Hamas, Hamas wants to look um, look good or be made to look good by uh, Western media and politicians. Western, some Western media and politicians will uh, do that, you know, w- without anything in return. But certainly if they have an opportunity to say, look, they're being humanitarian, they're releasing some of the prisoners, you know, some of some of the some of the ones they encountered in their invasion that weren't beheaded or burnt alive are going to be released, released. Uh, that's very kind of them. Uh, so yeah, that is, that is a part of the situation and a part of the situation in Israel is there's, you know, there, there's more vocal, uh, you, you hear the rift, you know, more vocally in terms of, uh, what's going on. Uh, we mentioned yesterday that, that uh, it was reported that the defense minister wanted a preemptive attack in the north, uh, and Netanyahu said no because um, he was worried about the American response. That that's uh, that's his excuse. I think that's often his excuse. Um, we are now hearing that uh, he and the 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 IDF are um, at at odds over. What to do? The you know soldiers have so soldiers were called up pretty much immediately. That's over two weeks ago now. They've been waiting. They've been uh, you know wanting to to do something about it in terms of a ground operation. Uh, the government is saying you know we need to um, clear the area for them from the air, but that you know at least as far as I can tell isn't done strongly enough either. So, uh, Gilad, I am uh, you know this is. I often say on the show, we try to keep it family friendly and, you know, keep the language clean. This may be one of those episodes where if you have kids who you don't want exposed to adult language, maybe uh, uh, send them to the other room. I'm going to try. But uh, anyway, so Netanyahu. uh, Yeah, seriously, fuck that guy. I mean, the 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 fact that he has has not acted uh and the fact that he is you know blaming everybody the fact that he's not taking responsibility for what happened initially and not doing anything um uh you know to to fight back um how 
you know, we talk about, um, we, we actually talked about uh, on this channel about how at war, this, this is not the time to replace a leader. I, I think I said that I take it back. I, you know, Neville Chamberlain was, uh, uh, I think it's a, it's a very appropriate, um, example to use here. He was replaced, uh, during wartime and, uh, you know, it's appropriate, uh, uh, to an extent, but it's, it's an insult to Chamberlain to compare him to Netanyahu because he, uh, may have, uh, you know, signed a peace deal with Hitler, but he declared war when, when Hitler invaded Poland, uh, when Hamas invaded Israel. Netanyahu also declared war, but didn't actually take any warlike action. Uh, yeah, Gilad, before I get ourselves canceled from the, from YouTube, uh, what are your initial thoughts on this topic? Um, you know, as an Israeli, I've been frustrated by the Israeli politics uh, for a long while. I, I've been barely following it uh, in the last couple of years, not even sure what the names of all the parties are. Uh, but it's just like it's I, I just cannot understand almost on the human le level. How could Netanyahu be prime minister for such a long time? He's been uh, prime minister for 13 uh, 13 years out of the last 15 years, he's been in charge. For the last year, it's like the most right-winged government. He calls himself, the, himself uh, the protector of Israel. And something like this happens, and everyone else is, is at fault for this. A part of him, not even a word, a gesture of some kind of I'm taking responsibility for this. It's, uh, it's just horrible. And also the fact that... Uh, that uh, it seems that he's very much uh, occupied with the future of his uh, political career. I know that uh, his political advisor keeps on coming to the headquarters of the of the army, the the in the center of Tel Aviv, uh, and participates in some of the meetings to to help um, Netanyahu figure out how to get the public opinion in his favor. Also, probably in the days after the war, and that's troubling. Like. Yeah, maybe, maybe the like, maybe you can function better with the prime minister that we have right now instead of changing. But could you function better if you're preoccupied with your political stature after the after the war? I don't think so. Yeah, uh, I think this came up on a show that we did together maybe last week and we discussed whether, uh, like, I was surprised that you thought there was any chance of him surviving or that he thinks there's any chance, but it definitely looks like he does think, you know, and, and maybe that's a part of, that comes with the territory of being Israel's longest serving prime minister. He thinks uh, nothing can touch him, including the worst massacre of Jews since the Holocaust, you know, they, they say never again. They say Israel is the place where Jews should go, you know, to avoid all the anti-Semitism in the world. And that is the place where under Netanyahu's watch, under his leadership, he can't blame it on past prime ministers. He's been there for, yeah, almost, as you said, almost the entire last uh, 15 years. Um, you know, it's it's on him. So, uh, you know, Netanyahu wrote a, a, a very good book about, fighting terrorism uh I, I mentioned a few times the event we did with Yaron last week and Yaron you know Yaron said Netanyahu is, is is essentially is a coward but he's very good at talking he was always good at talking he was good at writing he which which uh tells you that he understands the problem he understands the problem and, and the book uh pretty much tells you how you should deal with terrorists 
and he has uh, not acted on his own advice. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I I'm surprised there's not you know any class action lawsuit by people who purchased the book at least to get their money back because clearly he is uh, he he doesn't believe uh, what he's actually saying or he doesn't believe what he's doing. Uh, which is it? And can we all sue him for uh, the cost of the book? Like, uh, I don't really know. Um, yeah, he speaks the right words, not only on security, but also on other stuff. Uh, you know, as a objectivist, we know what kind of uh, government we should have um, economically. And that is, you know, a free market economy. So we definitely understand that. And he hasn't been um, operating in that way as a prime minister since uh, since he was... Um, in charge of uh uh no what's the name since of he was uh, finance minister, under finance minister 20 years ago since then he hasn't been done been doing anything uh almost anything right economically even though he's speaking the right language so i guess it's that just the same thing about security and uh for me one of the of like it's an, it's an anecdote but it's it symbolizes so well uh the failure of netanyahu during a campaign he had a few years ago, uh, as he was running, as the his party was running for the the parliament here, uh, they had they incited against the le the left with a campaign of uh, of ISIS members in a white pickup truck standing on the back with uh, guns and with like a flag of ISIS and asking some left wingers. Uh, how do I get into Tel Aviv? And the left tells them, "You go straight, and then you turn left." And then they shoot and they drive away. And uh, this is supposedly what the left should have brought to Israel. And he was the one that should have protected us against it. And this is exactly what happened. And not one word, word of uh, of taking responsibility. Um, yeah, just frustrating. Yeah, uh, we have a super chat from Bonnie and a super chat from Jonathan. Thank you both. Bonnie says... Um, is no one in Israel speaking up for direct, immediate action? Now, you are in Israel, I'm here, but I hear people in Israel, everybody, every single person is speaking for direct, immediate action. Am I am I right? Or are there, uh, you know, any dissenting voices except Netanyahu and the, the people uh, kind of campaigning for whatever he decides to do? Uh, first of all, there was the issue of uh, are we really ready to send uh, pe send people, soldiers inside the Gaza Strip uh, from like the angle of do we have all the equipment and everything? Like some of the of the reasoning behind waiting for was let's make sure that all the soldiers are ready. It's been two more than two weeks now. Uh, I think they should be ready. Um, and yeah, every most people call for it. Uh, there is the issue of uh, it's not so easy. Like it's not that the Air Force can get rid of all the terrorists. They are hiding really well underground and it's hard to get them. So yeah, how many more days of the Air Force uh, bombing and uh, no no uh, troops on the ground? I don't know. I mean, in terms of so the soldiers I've spoken to and, uh, you know, this goes back a, a week or more are, are not only ready, they were getting frustrated over a week ago by uh, basically being called up immediately and not being uh, able to do anything. Now, um, yeah, you know, I've, I've said 
uh, here many times. I think this war, uh, I, I'd like to see it won from the air rather than with, uh, with you know, many, many uh, casualties on, on the Israeli side, which is what a ground operation um, would necessarily entail. Uh, I think a few of the considerations, obviously, there's the hostages, which uh, Israel doesn't want to doesn't want to harm. But Hamas knows exactly what they're doing. You know, this is why this is why they didn't slaughter as, as you know, 100 percent of the Jews they encountered. It was very close to 100, but they took uh, as many as they thought uh, would help them their cause. And, and Israel in the West is playing into their hands on this. And um, yeah, there is the question of how, you know, what type of victory can be achieved uh, from the air. Now, you were in Air Force intelligence, so you can actually probably tell us to some extent, please don't, uh, we already know uh, from your appearance on the reality show that Hamas watches this show and times their uh, rockets accordingly. So please don't give them any secrets, but tell us what you uh, can tell us. Um, yeah, first of all, I'm not active in my service anywhere, uh, anymore, so I don't know anything like official that actually is happening right now. Uh, I, do, I do know that many people think that it's easy to catch the terrorists, especially as they are literally shooting rockets at Israel every day. Like people think, what is the problem? Just bomb the rocket launcher exactly like, you know, seconds after it is shot and you will catch the terrorists. But it's not so simple because um, they use uh, basically timers. It's uh, that Hamas, also Hezbollah operates with the same uh, idea that the most valuable uh, asset that they have are the actual people. And they understand that after they use uh, a rocket launcher, they cannot use it again. In the same way that after they use a tunnel, they cannot use it again because people will see uh, where the exit is. So uh, with rocket launchers, they have uh, a timer next to each one of them. They go there, set the timer for, I don't know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. So when the rocket is launched, they are long, long gone. And the way that they build the, their entire infrastructure is that they see a rocket launcher as a, as a one-time thing. They, they, they know that after they, they, they shoot it, it's going to be lost. And, uh, you know, it doesn't even cost them so much because what is a rocket launcher? These are like old school rockets, basically a piece of, uh, of metal with some wings and an engine that you have to, you know, ignite. And it, the rocket launcher itself is basically just a piece of metal, like a, like a rail that it can fly on the right direction to so it will land uh, wherever they want it to land. So, uh, yeah, it's a real problem to actually get the terrorists. And uh, my bet is going to be that uh, that Israel is just blowing a lot of uh, sand and a lot of metal without really making damage to the organization. Uh, so we had a, a, an interesting question here in the regular chat. I'm just going to get to the super chats first. So thank you, Gail, for the super chat. Uh, thank you, Robert Nasser. He says... The price of immediate action is enormous and obvious. Unfortunately, the cost of waiting is even larger, but it's far less obvious. Um, and uh, we have a, a question in the regular chat. Does Israel have any mining engineers to make their own tunnels? Now, they're making tunnels. Uh, they, this was on Israeli media. They're, they're making tunnels to, to kind of practice. But one of 
my concerns is, you know, we think tunnels, we think, you know, we're, we're like people in London might think about the London Underground. This is not that kind of tunnel. This is a tunnel that one person can barely fit through, right? Or, or uh, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it's not. It's it, these tunnels are an equalizer at at best, or at worst, they they have Hamas has an incredible advantage, even if Israel has them all mapped out, because, um, you know, they know the soldiers are coming. They can escape. They can blow the tunnels up. I mean, you know, we've uh, I I wasn't in the army, I've, but I've seen Fauda, and uh, I recommend they watch that before going in. Sorry for the spoilers, but yeah, th- th- this is not going to be a a good situation for Israel if it actually sends soldiers into the tunnels. Am I am I wrong on that? Um, yeah, you're certainly right. That that's the challenge. When we're going to have soldier inside, you're going to have um, uh, Hamas's. Uh... Uh, terrorists popping out of tunnels, shooting, go, going back in. Even if, if Israeli tanks are marching into the the, the streets, uh, they're going to pop up with uh, anti-tank uh, m- missiles. And um, what can you do? You, maybe we know about some tunnels, but in the same way that we didn't have intelligence of uh, of this entire attack, I bet that we don't know about the majority of the tunnels. Um, when we know about the tunnel, yes, we can attack it from the air. Like we have, uh, I'm sure that Israel has uh, quite a bit of uh, like bunker uh, bombs that you know go deep into the ground before before they actually explode. Uh, but we just do not know the locations of all the tunnels, so you know we don't have uh, so much options other than at one point sending soldiers in and fighting the fight and. Uh, and, and paying the price of uh, many lives. So we hear a lot that, um, you know, uh, part of the weight, um, yeah, other than the equipment, which you mentioned, which I think I think has been sorted, uh, certainly for, you know, however many soldiers are, are going to go in. Uh, another thing is that Israel wants to kind of clear the way from the air. Um, to what extent, and to the extent that you can tell us, uh, is Israel using its full uh, uh, capabilities from the air. Of course, there are weapons that can't be used, you know, because of uh, fallout and stuff. But beyond that, uh, to what extent is Israel actually, is this really different from uh, previous campaigns where Israel was bombing Gaza from the air? Uh, first of all, again, I'm not an active uh, soldier or anything. I don't have any information about the the amounts of uh, of um, of bombs that the air force has, uh, I do know that we bomb like a lot more than we used to in different uh, operations. Like these are a lot of bombs falling on on the Gaza Strip every day. Um, but you know they're still worried about civilians. They're still worried about civilians. Uh, you see that in the fact that. Uh, that the water is open to some parts of the Gaza Strip. You see it in the in the fact that uh, that uh, trucks with humanitarian aid also already went in the Gaza Strip. Uh, so I'm sure that also before they are dropping some bombs, they are still letting them know, or uh, or that they just choose not to bomb certain places that we know has a Hamas operative, just because there are also civilians over there. So uh, that is a shame. And uh, it will come in the cost of uh, 
of a longer time for victory and uh, more human, more, more Israeli lives uh, lost. Yeah, uh, the humanitarian aid. I didn't mention it in the uh, in in the update at the at the start, but yeah, Israel is uh, um, allowing humanitarian aid uh, into Gaza. You know, there were some claims. Of course, there were some very legitimate cases made that this should not happen at all. Others were made. Uh, also, I think it's a there's a good case to be made that that this should be in exchange for. Uh, the release of all the hostages, basically telling them you're going to starve to death. We're going to starve the whole Gaza Strip to death unless you release the hostages. And then if not Hamas, then at least the people will realize there's a, a serious risk. No, this was given in exchange for nothing. Uh, Israel is giving aid to the people who slaughtered 1,400 Israelis uh, a couple of weeks ago and took 200 plus hostages. Um, so there, there was a question here. Uh, Bonnie asked, does Netanyahu make some kind of excuse? Now, you said you're not like following uh, the news kind of every minute, and I, I haven't seen anything uh, from him. He doesn't speak publicly much, does he? The, the excuse is that uh, it's all the IDF. It's all the intelligence. It's not him. He did not know anything. He didn't hear anything. He wasn't warned by anyone. And uh, even though there, are, uh, there is information about Egypt warning Israel days before and weeks before that something big is going to happen. And despite the fact that, um, listen, there, there's information, there, there is uh, like um, public information on the, on the media of Hamas that they've been training for an operation just like the one that, uh, that has hit Israel so hard. They've been training for it for four years. That's like wildly, like I didn't know about it uh, before all of this, but it was like known for everyone. They just figured it's just play. They're just playing on kidnapping soldiers and taking over uh, Israeli towns and taking over the bases, uh, the military bases. Uh, so, you know, who is responsible for letting people literally train on the on the fence uh, on, on how they're gonna cross it and uh, kill Israeli soldiers and Israeli civilians. Who is responsible for letting de letting them do that for four years and just figuring out that they won't they won't really do it? Uh, the the analogy to that that uh, that I use is all the zombie apocalypse movies, right? You always they try to keep the fortress. Uh, uh, very safe and build walls and there are zombies outside. The zombies always try to keep on getting in and at some point they figure out a way and you just can't have uh, zombies living on the other side of uh, of the fence wanting to kill you and not do anything about it. And that's what uh, Israel has done and all of that with the command of Netanyahu. So this training was happening right near the fence. Israel saw it. It was, you know, they built like things that looked like towns in, in Israel or like uh, like maybe the villages or the kibbutzim in, in that area. Um, you know, they were they were planning there. There's video of it uh, that I've seen from from Hamas. Now, I don't know if it was released re recently as sort of a, you know, bragging how they did this right under Israel's nose. But yeah, there's there is, I think, an understanding in Israel that uh, many people 
you know, will will lose their jobs uh, after this in in the military, in uh, you know, in politics and so on. Um, which which brings us back to Netanyahu, where it seems at least he doesn't see it as as clearly that he will be one of those people. I saw um, Naftali Bennett, who was prime minister for about a year recently. Uh, he's been he's been very good on uh, on his appearances in foreign media. He is taking some responsibility now. I always, when politicians take responsibility when they're out of office and maybe coming back at some point, I, I I'm kind of a bit you know skeptical. Um, but I also saw a report that three government ministers are considering resigning as a way of helping force Netanyahu uh, to resign. So, um. Yeah, I don't know what what will it take, and and is there any way of actually getting him out of office? Because again, once this is over, I think it's a matter of time. Uh, but is is there a way of getting him out now and having somebody semi competent run this war, and and maybe if not win it, then at least not lose it as spectacularly as it seems Israel is about to lose it. Uh, I don't have a good answer for that. You know, it's it's possible, right? Like all all you need is enough people that will uh, enough people in the government that will decide that uh, that they want to put the trust in someone else. I think uh, a big part of the challenge is that who is going to be the someone else? Like uh, there isn't a clear candidate to replace him. There isn't someone that uh, seems to be able to. Uh, gain the support of the majority of the parliament. So, yeah, I guess uh, a good chance that we're stuck with Netanyahu. Uh, Enric, thank you for this super chat. Uh, Enric asks, will the Israeli politicians let themselves be controlled by Hamas with the hostages? Um, I think the answer is yes. Uh, it's. Uh, I think I just saw an update. It's 222 uh, Israelis in, in Hamas's cap captivity, and it keeps on rising, right? It was uh, like every few days we get 10 or 20 more um, Israelis that we find out that are over there. And uh, yeah, Israelis, uh, you see pictures of them everywhere. Everyone talks about it. It seems that the public opinions is that uh, they should be, everything that needs to be done to bring them back should be done. And uh, yeah, as long as we hold that opinion, we are going to be uh, playing into Hamas's hands. Yeah, and as time goes by, obviously the families understandably, you know, are campaigning on this, which means that, uh, you know, and 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 it's, it's heartbreaking to hear any interview with anybody who has a family member in Gaza. We mentioned the story of the father who uh, said that he, uh, you know, he shouted yes when he heard that his daughter was dead because uh, the alternative would have been uh, her being held in Gaza. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so Hamas, we, we were talking uh, last week about how Hamas is, is winning, not just militarily, they're winning the um, psychological warfare. And... Uh, you know, Netanyahu is uh, uh, giving them the victory. And uh, there, there was a question in the regular chat. Um, I can't find it, but something about a no confidence vote. Well, enough enough members of the coalition will have to uh, uh, 
decide to vote no confidence in Netanyahu. And, um, you know, that's that's the problem with politicians in general. I mean, Netanyahu makes the others look good, but uh, when you judge them individually, they're usually not. So, uh, Gilad, any final thoughts on on uh, our topic today? Any uh, any words of optimism? Well, I can tell you that the atmosphere in Israel um, is in many senses uh, positive and optimistic. People feel that uh, we are we are here for each other on many many different aspects. Um, you know, a good example is going to be that uh, you know all the families around the Gaza Strip in, in Israel in in Israel around the Gaza Strip they have abandoned it, uh, and there is a lot of uh, of uh, farming land over there. So people just come from where I live, from Tel Aviv, from the north. They go down and they help with the farming because this is what what is needed right now. People are really uh, trying to to take part in the in the effort in every in every way. And uh, and I think it's going to translate to to a better chance for a victory here. Well, I hope you're right. Uh, I want to thank Larry Green for uh, the last minute super chat. Larry says, never elect a Netanyahu or any any Yahoo to political office. That uh, That is also a positive way to end the show. Uh, the reality show starts in a few seconds or a minute or so. Uh, the topic is... Uh, is Israel violating international law? That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be interesting. So I hope you but all. The answer is easy. No, my answer is more complicated, but uh, you'll have to tune in to hear it. <laughs> I will. Uh, and Gilad, we will see you again on the channel, hopefully very soon. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you over on the reality show. <laughs>